welcome to part two of episode one, where we talk to Roman Baker once again. Did you need a fucking introduction this time? Be, it's good to be back. You're going to get angry about it this time? I mean, did I get an introduction last time? I felt like we just talked about it for half the episode. Right. Uh, you know what? I don't even have the rules right here in front of me, so I'm just going to fucking skip them. You already know them. Well, I mean, they were in part one. Yeah. yeah. So if you're reading, listening to part two, you probably listen to part one. Yeah. Reading podcasts. There you go. Some people call these books. Mm. I don't know. Let's just jump into some random shit, I guess. Sure. Um, oh shit, you just reminded me. I'm gonna bust some cigarettes from you, so. Because um, mine are up there. All right. So, let's see. So, you've been having trouble. You, you ba- okay, you're balancing a full time job uh-huh. and running a bar. Uh huh. You're run- you say that like it's not a full time job. You have a full time job and then you have this bar thing that you do. Well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fucking around. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no it is a it is a full time job. Yeah. It's just it's it's a more of a passion thing, mm-hmm. I, I suppose. Well, that's for sure. It's not paying the bills yet, or else it wouldn't right. have the aforementioned full time job. No, it's uh, so, so you're not in the black. No, no, <laughs> uh, no. It's just that you know, um, especially going into business. Um, your first tangible bit business uh, with a, a number of partners, you want to make sure that you're not just over the green, you want to make sure you have enough money um, coming in so that you can all comfortably live without the fear that, okay, well, if we just suddenly start doing a lot worse for no reason at all, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Just we'll everything. be okay, yeah. Oh, right? Okay. Like, yeah, it's not gonna, all our eggs aren't in one basket here, you know? So also, cause you know, the place has been open for like a year, but Realistically, a situation where I we could all just like walk away from our job or daily responsibilities would be somewhere along the lines of having a second bar uh, or a third, depending on how well that one was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for all the people who have actually listened to this and haven't really been to Midtown Cava Lounge, which I feel that's a minority <laughs> at the, for now. So the yeah, that fuck them up, swamp them, swamp yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. Minority, not because this is going to be popular, but the, the bar's just going to be more so popular. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, you know the last episode got a total of 18 downloads. That's Ooh. 18 possible more people. There Although you go. 12 of them were from the Kava bar. Yeah. People at the Kava And bar. I downloaded the other six on different devices of my own. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. All right. No, <laughs> no um, All right. Well, mm. fuck this podcast then. Why am, I, why am I doing this? It's a passion project, man. Why don't we do anything? <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, it's, a, it's a fairly small venue, you know? So... Uh, even if the bar was at just peak performance all day long, you know, it's unreasonable to expect an unseemly amount of money from it. Because mm. if it was to stay packed to the point that we would need it to be in order to make a significant amount of money off of it, it would lose the whole appeal of being a lounge. You mm. know, it's, it's a place where you don't have to speak loud and over top of obnoxious other people speaking or loud noises. Son of a bitch. Catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. Ah, fuck. Ah. No. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of just watched that happen. No, no, I watched it happen too. Uh, we're back with the part two of the cunning linguist Roman Baker. I thought you were saying that the mishap was episode one. Probably oh, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a so, fucking disaster. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I was telling you there was a, a fucking sixteen downloads. You said eighteen. Eighteen. Number. I don't remember. Alternate facts, man. I don't. Fucking Numbers remember. keep changing here. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just making podcasts great again. 
That's true. Because they're not great right now. Not before Discoursers. Nope. Podcasts sucked until now. Welcome to the milestone, people. There we go. 16 people so far are enlightened. Yep. Mm. And they all come and do my uh, my yard work for free now. And hang all out and do my dishes. Yeah. It's, Holy shit. It's a, it's it's a cult. Quite a cult. I wouldn't say the C word. Okay. I wouldn't say the C word. Okay. It's just dedication. All right. Just dedication. These are just, I'm not a, I'm yeah. a cult mom. I'm just really dedicated to this organization. All right. Um, yeah, so let's talk about freedom of speech, I guess. Let's get into that free speech. Well, obviously, <laughs> obviously I have a fucking, uh, well, who's interviewing you? Wait, hold on. Who's interviewing Welcome you? Welcome back here? to my podcast, Discoursers. <laughs> Roman Baker's fucking oh. podcast. Why well, interview your host? <laughs> no, I mean obviously I have an American flag hanging right there. I obviously believe in a lot of the the, the foundation. Yeah. Of what the country was based on, and rule. I'm like, you know, with like the Second Amendment, uh, right to bear arms, things right. like that. I'm pretty stringent on it. Like I think everyone should have the right to bear arms, unless everyone. You, unless, mm-hmm. unless you've been proven to be a violent offender. What if you're a unmedicated, paranoid schizophrenic? If you're not proven to be violent, then... So let's say, hypothetically, mm-hmm. that someone believes they are Jesus Christ. It's not a secret. They publicly espouse it. Right. Let's say, openly advocate. Mm-hmm. Let's say that this person is highly delusional and believes that other like alien races inhabit our earth and that he occasionally is whispered to in like to kill um people who are demons or whatever right and it's unclear to someone other than him who is a demon and who isn't and yet he he has no violent past so far he has the same right as you and i to sound-minded and handsome individuals to own a firearm that's an interesting question because that brings up that brings up the, the topic of red flag laws Right. Like if someone like you don't necessarily have to be violent offender mm-hmm. with the red flag law. It, you could be a severely deranged yeah. person and not have the right to bear arms. Well, it, I don't, it's a slippery slope on both ways. Like it's because because on one like it could be basically you make a tweet that say hypothetically some guy says in Kentucky or whatever. I'm not you know like, fuck you Kentucky. Uh, the, there's some racist guy in Kentucky and he makes this comment like I don't like black people. It's not saying mm-hmm. I want to kill black. That's people. a soundbite. Yeah, yeah. Know, right? that's a sound bite. Like, put that on loop. Yeah. And uh, like he hypothetically says that, then that could, if it gets to that extreme, could be used to flag him. Now, mm-hmm. I don't like racism. I don't like, I don't really like racists too much. I try to accept them as people, you know? Yeah. But not people that I want to hang around with. And except for you, of course. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I can't, I, I can't endorse that. Just because of the slippery slope. Okay. Yeah. So I think I this is what makes freedom of speech among other freedoms. I guess this is what makes the Second Amendment so unique. Because you can't say the same thing about freedom of speech. You can't really pick and choose. Some people like to mm-hmm. uh, about, like, you know, who can say what or when or why. Uh, you, I mean, you can't, you can't pick or choose, like, who has the right to an attorney. Everybody mm-hmm. has a fucking right to legal representation. Mm-hmm. Right? But... Obviously, some people do not have this right. No matter where you draw the line, there's obviously a line of people who do not have the right to bear arms. 
and some people just want to draw the line more liberally than others. Right. But um, yeah, man, it's it's I think just the fact that that line exists, no matter how you use it, it immediately goes from being a right to a privilege. It is like the only amendment that is a privilege. Even if you're like, yeah, it only it only doesn't you know work for super violent people who have a history of murder. Okay, well it's still been revoked, you mm-hmm. know. So there is a grounds with which to lose it. Right. Um, so that makes it not a right. Exactly. Yeah. So by definition, by the way we even define these other rights, it's not a right. Mm-hmm. No matter who you've killed or raped or pillaged, you fucking have the right to be represented legally. Mm-hmm. And you have the right of freedom of speech that can't be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. The right to bear arms can. So I think, and, it's, I think it's in the wording. It, 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 that's where people are breaking it down. Yeah. That, the, the First Amendment is pretty solid. Like, there's no twisting its words. There's no... It's pretty fucking straightforward. Yeah. But as far as, like, the right to bear arms and keep a, reg- a regulated militia, because it was mostly people in militias and, and things like that. Well, it was so. written for explicitly for the purpose of challenging the government, if it right. ever becomes tyrannical. Indeed. So, yeah. I mean, you can argue that, well, this person isn't attempting to acquire arms in order to keep a check and balances with the government. He's not trying to challenge the government. He's just trying to hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, but I mean, like, come on. If you were stockpiling weapons to challenge the government, they could arrest your ass in a heartbeat. Of course. In a heart oh. for the specific well, yeah, purpose. Because now, now, the oh. second, now the second amendment is more being applied to, like, self-defense. But that's not, I mean, I guess that's, you could also say that's part of the whole original writing of the second amendment as well. You know, it was for self-defense. I guess that also applies. But yeah. it's, it's definitely shifting more in one way than the other. Because, like, yeah, so, like, if you were buying a shitload of fertilizer, you know what I mean? They'd be like, oh, this dude's making bombs. Mm-hmm. we got to arrest him. Well, what if I'm making bombs to stop a tyrannical government? Then we're definitely going to arrest you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah we're going to double arrest you. Yeah. You'd be in a deep, dark dungeon for the rest of your days. Yep. And if you came out, you'd be like the guy at the end of 1984. You'd mm-hmm. love Big Brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or you can just go stay, you know, at an embassy somewhere or just go to Russia. Yeah. You know, well, you know, people, too. you know, Julian Assange really shits on that idea. But now that WoW Classic is out, I could see just hanging out in an embassy forever and just being like, all right. That was a good tie-in for that nerdy yeah. ass shit. Yeah. All right. So tell me, what's, what's the hype? What's the for hype? For World of Warcraft yeah. Classic? Yeah, what's the hype? Well, the hype I think was... I played maybe two days of like a, a month free trial. Uh, oh. Into it. Well, so the hype is basically just this game that came back at, that came out in 2004 and it was really fucking good and it sucked up a whole shitload of your time, but because it did so and because it was difficult, it felt very rewarding to mm. accomplish almost anything, right? Since then, and since gaming has really hit the mainstream and MMOs have really hit the mainstream, it's definitely been more watered down to play more like a fucking cell phone game or Mm-hmm. Some bullshit Farmville game that used to exist Fucking on Facebook. Door of the Explorer. Right. Um, but that's just not what made the original fan base interested in the game, right? But this game isn't like, I mean, MMOs don't work the way a fucking PlayStation 4 would work or a console game where, okay, I don't like this new game. I'm just going to take the old game, put it in the console, and play the old game. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't work like that. The game's been updated, the game has been patched, the game has just been fundamentally changed over the yeah. course of over a decade. And so now- Because the game mostly exists on a server. Correct, it, it, yes. And so the server is updated, the server is manipulated, and eventually it is um, foreign to the original idea of the game. Well, sometime last year they announced that they were going to be releasing servers explicitly tailored after the original game with no modifications or changes, and people lost their fucking mind because this was the good game, not the fucking shitty, watered down, just pussified version of the old game that now exists. This is the this is the really put hair on your chest MMO that existed back in the day, or I guess hair on your neck fucking is more grind, more yeah. more accurate. Yeah. Um, grind, 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 grind your yeah. fucking ass off. But I mean, you yeah. see, the thing is, you can absolutely still grind and and put hours and hours, dump hours into the game and not be good at it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got an actual craft and theory behind it where you have to apply some level of skill or knowledge right. to, Attention right? Attention to like, stats, things yes, like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, because now, I mean, the way the game currently is, you can absolutely do that. You just grind away for hours. Matter of fact, the game is only, like the game devs have almost become like aware that that's what the game is mm-hmm. because there's elements of the game now, this is the current interpretation, not the classic, where there are certain things that you can only do a certain number of times in a day. Mm-hmm. So they want you to come back tomorrow and do the same shit. Right. It's obviously just easy, mindless grinding right. that's just pushing a couple buttons. Yeah. And that's how you progress in the game. You do this every day for a total of an hour, hour and a half, and you fucking come back tomorrow and do the same shit. Right. It's just a waste of time. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you could argue that's all a waste of time. Well, well, but yeah. it doesn't require skill. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like, like you said, with the old school, mm-hmm. <clears throat> With the old school, they have uh, you had to like tailor your party to get yeah. shit done. Well, yeah. So there was also yeah. a, so there's a couple. There's two major things. Okay, I think I can actually summarize why WoW Classic's a big deal and two ma- two core ideas. Um, and make your podcast a little bit more interesting than just nerding out about World of Warcraft. This is game theory, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, how do you take a tabletop game like Dungeons and Dragons, and how do you put that on a computer? and have a shitload of people playing this uh, computer game at the same time and recreate that Dungeons and Dragons experience. Mm-hmm. But for thousands of people, not just five people sitting down at a table. Right. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. I think two major things that the current interpretation of the game no longer does, that most MMOs don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. One thing is class identity, right? You know, you play uh, the three major keys. You probably have this in Heroes um, as well, mm-hmm. right? You have uh, healers, you have tanks and you have damage dealers. Right. Right? Yes. So you have three major roles, but you have like eight classes. So when you have six of them that are damage dealers and only one of them can be the most efficient, hardest hitting, well, how do you make any of the other ones worth playing? Like, why wouldn't everybody just play the one that dealt the most damage if that was the case? Right. Well, you have warlocks, for example. They can summon people from anywhere in the fucking massive, massive game mm-hmm. to your location. Mm-hmm. which is a unique and exclusive ability. Right. And it makes them valuable. Yeah. You have another one that can teleport people to major cities, open up a portal everybody can go through. Mm-hmm. The amount of utility and time that saves to get a large number of people, sometimes upwards of like 40 people, that's not an exaggeration, I'll come back to that, right, right. to one place at the same time as you open a portal. You can't just sit there for a fucking hour waiting for them all to get there, right? And then, uh, so this creates concepts like this or like rogues that let's say, okay, we want to take a shortcut, but nobody has the key, the rogue can pick the lock. Concepts like this create a unique identity to every class 
that people can tailor to some small degree to be very personalized themselves, and it creates the role-playing experience that's found in Dungeons and Dragons, right? right Whereas in retail, sure, warlocks can still summon people there, right? But they've implemented a thing called looking for a group. So instead of having to find a group and make friends and try to be on the same time that they're on so you guys can cooperate and do group activities, you just press a button and you're fucking immediately matched with, it, it's sort of like Call of Duty. You're immediately put into a party of right. that number of people. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously a, it, a group of- Does it balance them out? Yeah, well, it takes the roles. The roles. Yeah, okay, it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, this, this is going to be a random assortment of two tanks, this many healers, and this many mm -hmm. damage dealers, right? When you have something like that that's just randomly assorted, like a Call of Duty lobby party, um, obviously they're going to be less coordinated. They don't know each other. They have no rapport. Most of them probably don't even know the mechanics of the fight. So how do you compensate for that? Well, you just make the boss fights really fucking easy, right? Right, where you don't need a lot of coordination. Just a couple general premises like don't stand in the fire, don't stand in front of the boss if you're not a tank. Like just basic fucking ideas, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. that becomes the gameplay, mm -hmm. right? So that sort of transitions into the second thing that makes classic unique and it captures the D and D experience is you have a group of people that have to all know what the fuck is going on in unison in order to pull off anything, mm -hmm. right? The minimum being like five people to run a regular instance. Five people, one tank, one healer, three damage dealers, and they all have to know what the fuck's going on, right? And if no one there happens to be a warlock, well, you're waiting on everybody to fucking get there, mm -hmm. right? You're just sitting outside waiting for everybody to get there to start. So some people ride on time. winged shit and some people don't or whatever. Winged shit didn't exist like... in Classic. Oh, so, and right. I think that's a whole other thing that's specific to World of Warcraft. I think the introduction of flying mounts minimized the scale of the world, which mm -hmm. takes away the aspect of it being an entire world because you can just fly over shit. Right. It, it, when it was difficult to navigate, it became more of an open, real-world experience. Anyways, mm -hmm. so back to the point is, you know, you didn't have your class-specific people in the group, but you really felt it. You know, it mm -hmm. encouraged diversity. You wanted people who could fill these roles and, do, and fill them well. And right? we here at Discourses love diversity. Oh, yeah, we sure do. Class diversity. The, but this could go, this could extend all the way up to way 40 people. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, diversity mm -hmm. is a good thing, though. Yeah, absolutely. In World of Warcraft. <laughs> Only in World of Warcraft, though. Mm -hmm. I don't know where else it could be applied. Um, but no, so yeah, you, you, you would have to have a very well-coordinated and thought-out group of five people all the way up to 40 people. Like 40 people you would need to get all on the same fucking page. Mm -hmm. They would all need to know what they were fucking doing. They'd have to all be at least somewhat competent in order to come together. And all of them would have to be organized by one person, the raid leader. Mm -hmm. And that shit was just like a full-time job, keeping up with these assholes, mm -hmm. making sure they had all the things that they needed, making sure that they were on the raid on time, keeping up with who was next in line to get gear so that it was all evenly distributed so there wasn't like a fucking revolt and people just stopped coming to your raid. Like right. you, it was a whole fucking event. Or like a couple people get butt hurt and they just don't yes. take part in the fight or whatever. Right, and this is all yeah. put on typically by a guild. And mm -hmm. the guild leader or one of the top officers was gonna be the raid leader, but the guild is a whole community mm -hmm. of people collaborating so that you would have the necessary supplies because there was a shitload of supplies that you'd have to go and grind in order to be ready for the raid unless you had a guild community of people just pitching in mm -hmm. so that these things were just readily available at all times right right and all of that shit needed to be organized i mean this was so much fucking effort like and i get where you know blizzard's coming from with like okay maybe this is some aspects are a little too fucking hardcore you know so right. how do you get it to appeal to both the mainstream and the hardcore mm -hmm. right 
So are they on two different servers? Yeah, they, they've, they've released unique servers now okay. that are just... So yeah, they don't say they don't... It's not cross-platform. Yeah, you're not going to be sitting there playing WoW Classic and then somebody's going to be flying around on their fucking right. retail mount or whatever. Yeah. It's you totally basically just get a fucking worlds. handicap. Um, it's just no it's a totally different game it's hard to explain like the maps are the same as they were in 2004 the the limitations are the same so everybody playing on that server Mm. is playing on the same playing field right yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a it's within a bubble i guess okay well that was not very interesting just kidding (laughs) i could talk about city i can say you're going to talk about city of heroes the same yeah yeah. hour so that's why I try to make yeah. it more about game design than just this is World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. That's great game design, and actually fits perfectly into that D and D experience. Yeah, because D and D, I mean, you're making, a, you're you're crafting a story with your friends, and your friends have these fictional characters, and each fictional character is supposed to be a unique role within right. the story, right? So, and I think like it, my assassin drug dealer in the game yeah. that was at the Cabo Bar. Right. That's the that's the character I started. He was like an alchemist assassin. Oh, okay. literally just made drugs and sold it to people on the boat. The game with so. Steve, right? And yeah. Then, yeah. 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 Steve's a strange DM. It's a strange one. I mean, I expect nothing less. Yeah. All right. Now with the inside jokes, uh, let's go with net neutrality. Oh, yeah. net neutrality. The, Hot topic. Very we, relevant. We went from uh, free speech to World of Warcraft and then kind of back to free speech. Welcome to Discoursers. Yeah. Um, Welcome to fucking sort of, Discoursers. Sort of free speech. More, more I guess, because like... Freedom of speech is strictly about Congress, right? And how it won't impede on people's right to freely express their religion or, you know, whatever it is they have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, net neutrality, you could even argue the revoking of net neutrality is in pro-freedom of speech because you're no longer barring the corporate America's private right of freedom of control over what they are providing, the infrastructure they're providing. So, like, it's basically nah, saying, like, Comcast... Well, it's not Congress. Nah, Whatever yeah. Comcast tries to do yeah. to stifle people's freedom of speech over the infrastructure they're providing is a private entity. Mm-hmm. It's not the government, right? Right. So it's it would be one thing if the FCC was just straight up taking shit off the government that they or t- taking shit off the internet that they didn't want people to see because of some government agenda. Right. That would be an obvious violation of freedom of speech. Right. But like Comcast doing it or Verizon doing it, I mean, these are private entities whose Who's to tell, like, you could take the very ultra, like, I guess, uh, corporatist ideal of it and say, like, who is anybody to tell them how they can manage and host their own infrastructure? What do you think about adding that as a right, though? That these corporate entities have their own... No, 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 not uh, the corporate entities. Oh, oh, oh. The fact that that, uh, open internet. That, like, open internet. I mean, that's sort of what, like, net neutrality was was supposed to be. Right. Um, And... What got me thinking about it recently is I've been watching some old videos because I'm always late to the party about how the FCC had prior to the institution of net neutrality, which was in 2015, actively trying to keep the internet an open and free place. Mm -hmm. Net neutrality didn't come to be until they actually had to pass like a 400 some odd page document um, espousing like what exactly that entailed Mm -hmm. and where you drew the line with what these um, ISPs could do on the internet, mm-hmm. like what they could throttle and what they couldn't. The answer was basically like with net neutrality, nothing, right? You just have to let everything be as it is. Mm-hmm. So like what, what big offender of net neutrality or one of the big reasons why it came to be was, I mean, you remember LimeWire? Yes. Back yeah, in the yeah. day? I use it all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. You never I mean, I, how... I knew a friend who no, used to use it yeah. all the time. I... Well, I mean, no, no LimeWire isn't inherently illegal. Uh, peer-to-peer lending is not illegal. Um, sharing copyrighted 
material right. is illegal. Downloading is not illegal. Uploading is illegal. Sure, I, but I mean, yeah. I guess pirating in general is illegal. Technically. Well, well, they were mostly because it's it's tough to catch downloaders. Well, I mean, it's so they the, were mostly going for uploaders, right. people that were sharing. Like, right? It's I mean, it's the it's like the distinction between like somebody using drugs versus somebody selling drugs. Mm-hmm. The intent to sell versus same thing. Um, I need that new Metallica album, bro. Come on, come on. I, it's only funny if they can see you tapping your wrist. Oh, they which, can. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, the yeah. sorry if you're on Podbean. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's so yeah. Okay, something that like um, Comcast was doing. You ever notice how slow LimeWire was? It wasn't just because the fucking internet was slower back then. Mm -hmm. It was because Comcast was throttling things like LimeWire and BitTorrent because there was, I mean, there was a way to individually prevent certain copyrighted material from being um, distributed, Mm -hmm. but that was a lot of fucking effort and they didn't want to do that. But they also want to protect this copyrighted equipment, most of which they owned because Comcast owns so many media outlets. Right. So it was it was also in their interest that people weren't sharing the things that they were marketing. Mm-hmm. So they just throttled all of it and made it super inaccessible and difficult to do, right? Like, so if you wanted to pirate a fucking movie, you'd have to start that shit and just walk out. Sort of like you know women I mean? with sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> Make it really difficult to get there. Yeah. But the reward, the reward. The reward's there, yeah. yeah. the reward's there. I guess it's difficult for some people. It's never mm. been difficult for me, but. Yeah, you know, that's just that's my humility. You talking. wait till you're almost forty and you start balding. Okay. Jesus Christ, kid, you don't know it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I heard male pattern baldness gets a generation. Anyways, we'll so yeah, like, um, it was a, a real fucking tragedy that net neutrality was um, repealed, and I've heard a lot of people defend the repealing of net neutrality by saying like, oh, nothing bad's gonna happen now that it's gone because. You know, we didn't have it prior to 2015, and we were just fine. Like, no, mm. we weren't. That's not the way it goes. No, yeah. not no, yeah. we weren't. Like we, yes, uh, there. It was very much minimized. Like the the LimeWire thing and the BitTorrent thing weren't happening everywhere, but there were similar things happening two to three times a year, and they were just having to be dealt with as like individual lawsuits because right. there was no just like overarching rule in place. It's very similar to like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube right now. Yeah, actually. Like they're right. in that space where, but you're almost move. looking at it in like a different sphere now because you're going from like ISPs and how they're treating um, large users of the ISP, like you know individual programs. This would be like Comcast versus LimeWire, which is like Facebook versus like an individual Facebook user. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is like Facebook creating this massive platform that everybody uses. I mean, it's not their right to tell people what they can or cannot post on their platform, mm-hmm. right? Like obviously. YouTube and Facebook both share the right to say no nudity, right? And mm-hmm. we won't allow anything with nudity, mm-hmm. right? And then Alex Jones goes off spouting fucking conspiracy theories and shit, and they're like, all right, no Alex Jones. And they ditch Alex Jones. Is he being wronged, or is this the the corporation's right to say, to, well, that's to de-platform the you? They're, they're technically considered a publisher. Mm. Oh, no, they're, no, not a, not a publisher. They're technically not considered a publisher. Right. If they were considered a publisher, then they could do that. Mm-hmm. That that's where they're crossing the line right there. Like an open forum, and I can't remember the exact name of it right now, but it's basically open forum, mm-hmm. uh, like public access almost, pretty much. If they offer something like that, they don't have responsibility for the content on their website. Mm-hmm. But if they are a publisher, they have to take responsibility for what's on their platform. So if like. Again, let's just say some guy in you know Ohio or whatever. You know, let's just say California. Some racist guy in California 
uh, you post a video about how he's going, I'm going to kill all the black people. You know, another sound yeah. bite for you. But YouTube would be responsible for that video if they were a publisher. But they're using the advantages of being a publisher right. by limiting certain things. So that's where we're trying to draw the line mm-hmm. right now. So it's I mean, very, it's a very it's a gray area. Like, so I guess what, when you create a large enough platform, you are beholden to other people within a certain boundaries posting whatever they want on this platform and you have little control over it? I don't, th- I don't think it's size. I think it's mm-hmm. how you're considered legally, basically. Mm-hmm. It's not really size per se. Okay. So, we're gonna take a break right there. Okay. Officially coming back from break. What's going on? Whatever. Okay. Welcome back to my podcast, Discoursers. Hey, go fuck yourself. Um, I'm your host, Joey Salads. Joey Salads over here. Hey. So we just Joey spent. Joey Salads. We just spent how many minutes? Twenty something minutes thinking that the video was working, mm-hmm. and yet it failed once again. Absolutely. So <laughs> I don't. I think Trump is doofus. And I think that he is less insidious without uh, Steve Bannon pulling his strings. Uh. Yeah. Um, I read Fire and Fury knowing full well that it would just um, appeal to my more left-leaning bias and uh, try to be as objective about my reading of it as possible. I went in there thinking like, well, you know, if 80% of this is bullshit, the other 20% is still pretty fucking bad. The other 20% is still enough to be, like, angry about, you know? Mm-hmm. There was an analogy made in there that I thought was pretty fitting. And it was that if Trump is Darth Vader, then Steve Bannon was the emperor. Because sure, Trump is bad, but he's only really bad because Steve Bannon is so much worse. And because he's pulling the strings. And because <laughs> so like Cheney and Bush. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, just like it. Like, I don't think Trump came into office um, or even, you know, ran a campaign because he wanted to fucking discriminate against people or ruin the lives of minorities or anything like that. I think what happened was he wanted glory and fame and wanted some means- A legacy. Of getting himself out of an unknowable amount of debt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, you, there's no fucking telling, yeah. you know? Uh, Absolutely. And you could say, well, there's no way to know that he was in any debt. Maybe well, you know, he he's, a... he's foregoing his paycheck. Oh, fancy. Yeah, he, he actually gives it to like some... Man, he's some... foregoing that whole $200,000. $400,000, I believe. $400,000 in, in lieu... Oh, man, I guess... Shit, dude, hopefully he can make up for it with all I the know. fucking hotel deals and shit that he's making now. That's like a fucking weekend in Vegas for him. So It's like, whoa. Yeah, I don't think that... You know, he's actually talked shit about the White it's House, really dude. Not call, that it, noble. call it a dump. Yeah. That, that was fucking hilarious to me. Because, I mean, it is old. You know yeah. what I mean? It's probably pretty cramped. His wife doesn't even want to stay there. Yeah. He stays in the Trump Tower. At least last I heard. I don't know what the deal is right. with that now. I don't know what the latest update. I don't follow them um, that closely. But, so, oh, that sounds really fucking serious. Let me pass my judgment on Trump now. I don't follow him that closely. Um, no, but just from like, This is Roman's can... uninformed opinion. Yes. Welcome back to Roman's uninformed opinion. But, like, from That's my... a great podcast <laughs> name. Yeah. That is a fantastic podcast name. You heard it here name. first. Yeah. Um... I think, just from what I can tell, my impression, is that, okay, well, you can make the argument that we don't know for a fact that he ever was in any kind of debt, 
because we haven't seen his tax returns. But Trump comes off as the kind of person to me that if he had tax returns that proved that he was infinitely rich, as he would claim to be, he wouldn't fucking put them down. <laughs> They'd be all over the place. They would be fucking framed in every single person's household next to their American flag. Right, with, um, with fucking gold border around it. Yeah, he's just not humble. And so if he is being secretive about his tax returns, which I don't think that's very deniable or easy to deny at this point, it has to be for a reason. It has to be for some kind of shameful reason. And the, the most reasonable uh, conclusion to make is that he's just in a shitload of debt. And I mean, debt is the easiest way to explain why a rich person is poor, right? Like, where did all the money go? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think this was like a way to get himself out of the debt, a way to make a shitload of money, um, and a way to set up a name, right? Fire and Fury theorizes that he never intended to win, um, and that just running and being beaten by crooked Hillary Clinton was going to be enough of a publicity stunt that it would save him. Oh, you could tell. Um, oh, you yeah. could definitely tell. But I don't, that's, that is still speculation. There's no way of knowing that definitively. Oh, he had um, fucking, dude, he was like last place for the longest time. Yeah. He had, he, he had no plan on winning. Yeah. None. Well, I mean... It's just, what do you know, the fucking polls were inaccurate because when you go through a social channel to oppress people's freedom of speech by shaming them and by uh, making threats to get them fired and ostracize them from society, well, people aren't exactly honest with you and you don't know how to, what to expect. This is what you get when there is no healthy discourse. Indeed. So um, you get Donald Trump. Do you, I, think, do you think that... The, the basically the, the pressure, social pressure, yeah. business pressure. Yeah. Do you think the primary reason that our culture has become very call out virtue signaling culture is a direct response to an arms race with Trump? It'd be like, if you, if you use this weapon, I have to use this weapon. That's how well, warfare okay. goes. I do know people who I typically inspect or respect on an intellectual level who, like one person in particular stands out to me, I won't name them. Um, not that anybody who is listening to this knows them, he's just a friend of mine. His name um, is Charles. His name is, and his name is Charles Gill. No, his, it's really not, it's, it was a friend of mine that I knew years ago I haven't spoken with. I knew him back when I lived overseas. He said that he was alt-right because there was a culture war of identity politics being seen. He admitted that identity politics was fucked up. But mm -hmm. he's like, well, if identity politics is gonna be used to silence people that I identify myself with, I will use identity politics to combat it. And right. I was like, this is just how ignorance perpetuates ignorance, dude. Yeah. Like, this, is, this, is, this is fucking insane. It's like, a cultural cold war. Tribalism is wrong no matter w what twist you put on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just a fucked up regressive mentality whether you're right-leaning or left-leaning. And so I remember, like, while I can openly admit I have not been following politics super closely now, I was very much so, as many people were in 2016, and I remember what it was like. I remember being a person who did not support Donald Trump still feeling like he was something that was difficult to even bring up in any kind of way, mm -hmm. unless it was with the sole intent of making cheap jokes and shitting on the dude. Like, that was really the extent of what you could get away with in a socially acceptable way. Right. Anything that could even be misinterpreted as support was, um, uh, the backlash was pretty fucking heinous. So, Nazi fascist. how do you have an exchange of ideas in that context? You don't. You just get two really toxic ideas, like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, 
banging heads mm -hmm. and then that's just no matter which way you cut it is you wind up with a loser you know it sucks um but yeah i think that that is what happens but i think a lot of people i mean i'm i'm not of this mentality but i think a lot of people <clears throat> say that basically hillary was a lesser of two evils right and so. some people who who were traditional republicans but did not support the ideas uh espoused by the alt-right or Donald Trump thought mm -hmm. that Trump was the lesser of two evils. They were right. willing to vote for him even though they didn't like him and they thought he was an asshole and they thought some of the shit he did was pretty questionable, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little racist, maybe a little misogynist, but you know, Hillary Clinton was gonna turn our government into big brother. She was gonna take our fucking guns away. She was gonna get us even further entrenched in the Middle East. I mean, she just basically came out and said she would. Uh, she was- Wait, so she had a, a, she had a direct plan to like attack the second amendment or? Um, no, well, I mean, I think this is more of just the right-wing mentality that any liberal in office is going to take our guns away. Don't, that being said, I oh, think Oh, you're speaking had, from their position. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, okay, I mean, this oh, is, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm speaking as if I yeah, come from yeah. that position. I mean, this is, this was at least, at least the ideas that I felt had come across that I, and I don't mean a straw man, but I, I have seen a lot of like, oh, well, Trump's the lesser of two evils because if we vote for Hillary, we're going to lose our guns, you know? And mm -hmm. I mean, she, I, she, she did say a lot of shit about like, and I mean, I couldn't quote it now, but there was a lot of fucking anti-firearm propaganda then as there is now. And um, I don't know, man, both, both sides make that argument, I guess is my point. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, I think when you are voting and the option you pick is the lesser of two evils, well, that's still not fucking democracy. That's right. not a real vote. Your vote yeah. should be for who you want that to is, be president. That is actually the opposite of a meritocracy. Yeah. It's, it's the extreme opposite of whatever you call them that. From, yeah. from a meritocracy. Right, right from the, yeah. That, I guess that would be like the two ends of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I just feel like if you're in the situation where both of your choices are not something that you want, you can't be fucking shit on for not picking either of them. Like, I didn't vote for either of those fucking idiots. Yeah, me either. And at first I felt pretty guilty when Trump won, but then Hillary Clinton wrote that book about, or it was titled What Happened? And it was fucking just, the, the sorest loser of all sorts. She was as sore a loser as Donald Trump was a winner. Like, it was fucking so gross. Right. Um, there was an excerpt in there about how women were bringing their 19-year-old daughters up to Hillary Clinton out in public and saying shit like, oh, I just wanted you to know that this young woman right here didn't vote, like, narking on their daughter or whoever. Mm -hmm. And Hillary Clinton was like, well, now do you see what happens? Do you see what happens when you don't use your voice? And it's like, get the fuck, what? Like, part of what's great about being American is you don't have to care about this shit if you don't want to. You don't have to yeah. vote. You don't have to be involved in this shit. Like, how are you going to sit here and fucking guilt people and shit over not wanting to be part of the fucking political process? Yeah. First I of all, most people who are sitting there being like, you have to go out and vote. You have to have a political opinion. Motherfucker, you're not well read on it. You're just, you're just really, you're not big on politics. You're big on your opinion. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Like, you are just so convinced you're fucking right without looking into it. Yeah. Voting is important to you. They're not doing it as some sort of societal motivator, yeah. you know, like to, to really push society. This, They're doing yeah. it because, like, I believe this. Yeah. And, and this only. Yeah, this is not a, this is not a, um, a left or right thing. This is a most people thing. Yeah. Uh, and it, I, I, it was really telling when, if you said you didn't vote, or if you said you voted for like Gary Johnson, mm -hmm. or you wrote in fucking Harambe, 
people were like, right. this is why Trump won. It's like, you're assuming I'd vote for Hillary Clinton if I had not voted for Harambe. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, why, why would you assume that? And that, I think that sort of gives away the, um, the hidden agenda of, you know, I'm not wanting you to vote because I want you to use your voice. I'm mad that you didn't vote because I want you to use my voice. Right, because... Like, a person, or the voice that I subscribe to. A person who, who subscribes to either yeah. the right or the left, if, say, I'm talking to someone from the right, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I didn't vote. They're like, oh, you have to vote, you know? Like, say Hillary Clinton won. And they were like, you see you see what happens when you didn't vote? Whatever. Uh, we, we can cut out your slip-ups, but not mine. Yeah, well, I'm going to leave fair. yours in, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I had to cut out a bunch of your ums and likes, motherfucker. Same no, here, but, uh, um, uh, like. e, um, ooh, uh. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, let's go with uh, Jordan Peterson. What that? We'll follow up Trump with Jordan Peterson. That's a great way to do that. He sounds like Kermit the Frog. Next, and uh, and he totally embraces it. Yeah, he thinks it's hilarious when people yeah. make videos of like Kermit moving. He's a meme lord. Yeah, you didn't see him with that picture of fucking Pepe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shout out to anybody who thinks Pepe being on the TV while a video about freedom of speech playing is just inherently racist without context. Shout out to all those people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a troll symbol. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, it was just, it's, I, it's just it, which fucking riles me up about shit like that uh, because I am talking about a particular person, but that is not just that person. That is a mentality. That's a pervasive mentality. Is that things like racism? Things like sexism, like you, you are cheapening the victim, the, the experiences of the victims of legitimate racism and sexism by labeling a joke or a sentence racist or sexist because you're denying that racism and sexism are about context. They're about true motivation or intention. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is the evil shit that is racist. You know what I mean? Some 13-year-old on a fucking YouTube comment spelling out the N-word is not racist. He's just a crude, shitty little 13-year-old troll. Lonely, I mean, that's probably, it. Yeah. Well, or he's sitting there with a group of his fucking friends who are like, <laughs> I wrote the N-word. You right. know what I mean? It's like, it, that's not racism. Racism is f- fucking marching through Charlottesville, throwing up a Sig Heil with fucking tiki torches. That's fucking, and then blows up into a bunch of protests and counter-protests that ends up with somebody dying. Like, that's, there. there's hate there. That's yeah. fucking hate. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that is something to be concerned about. Well, you know, a lot of those guys got roped into that, really, because they mm-hmm. were like, they were, yeah, there was a bunch of racists there. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll definitely, I'm not going to argue with that. But there were also a bunch of people who were like, oh, I have pride in being white. Uh-huh. But they also think that everyone should have pride in being who they are. Right. So it's a weird mentality, and a lot of a lot of those people got grouped in with them, and they were like, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll march for straight pride." You know, maybe they were in like the back of the fucking parade, and they didn't see the other dudes throwing up Zig Heils and shit. I think Jordan Peterson, you don't mind me looking at my phone for a second, had a yeah. tweet similar to that. He was uh, something to the effect of, "You just shouldn't have pride in things that you can't control." Right. Right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. pride should come from accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, I guess, you know, speaking out against any kind of intrinsic pride. But at the same time, and I might be just conflating two points here, right? Like, I don't, I don't mean to just absolutely miss mm. the, the nature of his, his tweet. 
-hmm. but just the general idea, right, that you should only be proud of things that you accomplish. And then you're looking at something like Pride Month. And it's like, well, you didn't accomplish being homosexual. You are homosexual. What are you proud of? I think there's... They accomplished the, the legality, well, though. They're, well, they're using it They're using it in almost like two different ways, right? right. Like, because Pride Month is about not just being proud of the fact that you're homosexual and engage in homosexual acts. Like, it's one of the most ignorant things I've ever seen is like, oh, you're really proud that you fuck each other in the ass? No. It's like, I can finally be open about right. something that was so taboo and ostracizing. I mean, taboo is too light of a word. I mean, just something that was so vilifying and condemned in society for so long, mm -hmm. now I can openly express it, and I'm proud to do so. These are like I two did a joke different... About, I did a joke about that at the Kava Bar. These are the word. Hmm? did a joke about that at the Kava Bar, remember? Hit, hit me with it. Where I started out with, I like, don't. I don't like gay people. And everyone's like, what? And then I launched into, I don't like them because they're they they set the fashion standards too high for men. Oh yeah. Like we were wearing t-shirts and jeans and flannels during the 90s and shit. And then all the gays had to come in and mm -hmm. make it like now you have to wear a scarf on a date, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You had to step up your fucking accessory game. And then do the, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, it don't take girls to suck a dick." You know? It does in this country, sir. It does in this fucking country. No, but it takes courage to like walk around and hold your significant other's hands. Yeah. Like, lesbians can, like, sort, sort of get away with it -ish. Because women do that. Yeah. But sort they of. they can't get away with it with short hair. Well, it's mostly, it's mostly because guys, guys that are, like, fucking uh, homophobic, they mostly just think about porn videos of, like, threesomes. So they get kind of, they get, not even kind of, they get really creepy and nasty about it. But, like, gay men, uh, you, you just got your ass beat. Yeah. Got the shit beat out of you. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that kid? I don't remember his name, but he died out in the field, like, on barbed wire. Uh, it was out in the middle of fucking nowhere. It was like Idaho or some shit. What? Uh, he was like a huge uh, a martyr, basically, like a, like a martyr symbol. Justin something. I don't know. I have to look it up later. But uh, this is I need a I need a I need a, a correspondent guy back there. I need a I need a ear in the sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A guy like a, a yeah. computer behind the curtain looking right. up all this shit. Exactly. Yeah. Joe Rogan has one, dude. What's your excuse? I'm not Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's a good, that's a pretty decent excuse. Yeah. He can afford to pay somebody to do that shit. No, but I actually, I, I thoroughly enjoy Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. I don't follow everything that he does. Like, some of the stuff, like, I don't agree with. Well, but his 12 rules for life, that should, that should actually change my life. Like, I don't like, you know, motivational books and it's like, oh, it changed my life, you know? Yeah. But. Well, this is coming from an actual psychiatrist. Yeah, a, cl a, clinical, a clinical psychologist. With yeah. motivations other than just making money. Yeah. Right, yeah. He wanted to actually cure people of things. Mm -hmm. So he had like the the immersion therapy. Where if I don't know if I don't know if you heard him talk about this, but basically if someone was afraid of elevators, they would start out with talking about elevators. Mm -hmm. And then as time went on, they he would show the person a picture of an elevator. And then they and then as time went on again, they would actually go to an elevator. They wouldn't get in the elevator, but they would look at the elevator and then some, some more time would pass and then they would get in the elevator. He wouldn't ride the elevator. Just get in. Keep the doors open. Yeah. A little bit of time passed. Get in the elevator. Go up a floor. So on, so on, so on. Mm -hmm. Irrational fears are just that. They're irrational. Yeah. They're, I mean, for people, just, for people to go like, well, that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. You're just going to have to accept that. It's like, no, you can absolutely fix this. And I think mm -hmm. that's why a lot of people don't like him. It's because he's literally saying, you have the power to get over all this irrational bullshit, all of this baggage, all of this mommy-daddy issues, all of this other stuff.
Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you can't change like your height, your muscle mass, skin color, any of that shit, which, you know, depending on what they are, can hold you back. Right. But as far as all of the fucking like, like social, cultural issues, all these other things, the things that have been put on top of your head to weigh down, you can, you can shake them off. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of fucking work. Right. It's a lot of work. And that's basically what he's trying to do. And he's trying to point that out in the most, I don't know how in the fuck he dumbs it down so much for people to understand. Like he's obviously far more intelligent. Well, I don't know, dude. I always think that I kind of have to pick apart what Jordan Peterson says. I, I also watch like a lot of his lectures and shit. So sometimes when he's saying something that seems somewhat simple, I am I have misgivings like, okay, he's trying probably trying to say something metaphoric here, he's getting more at it. I mean like his favorite person to quote and cite constantly is uh, Nietzsche. Right. Like that uh, fucking that dude, you could spend a fucking year reading his seventy page book, like it's fucking and still not get everything. But with Jordan Peterson, I'll come at this from a couple angles. First, I'll start off by saying one of the things that I don't like about him is he is, he often unnecessarily goes down like a rabbit hole of like uh, analogy and metaphor and well, young like and, and shit like that. He follows well, young in philosophy. Well, so what I'm saying is like, for example, you can watch a video on uh, YouTube of him in an interview being asked, do you believe, are you Christian? And then he goes off about Christian ideals, and he goes off about parables, and he makes some kind of metaphoric example. He goes, no, hold on. Do you believe mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ literally did the things prescribed in the Bible, that he was born of a virgin, he died and came back to life, and ascended to heaven, and that he is the Son of God? Do you believe that? And then he was like, oh, I don't know. And it's like, fucking, just sometimes what people are asking you is really what they're asking you. Well... He doesn't want to be compartmentalized. That's yeah. his problem. Like he believes that the idea of God has value, which I disagree with him. Okay, I agree with him in like prehistoric times. You know what I mean? Like basically, fucking Moses this time and shit. Like you needed rules. Right. You, you needed to have the big babysitter in the sky to go like, hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know. But as time went on, we have these secular secular laws now. Right. That prevent us, you know, when we don't, we have like government and police and military and all this other stuff that keep us in line instead of God, which is a much better thing because it's visible and it's right there in front of you. Yeah. But the idea of God, he believes it still has its place in like everyday moral decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what he says of it. But he, you, you can't put it into like a 20 second soundbite. It's a complicated issue. Of course. And And also if he doesn't know, he doesn't know. So my thing is, you know, like he'll say and, it, and he yeah, right, and and I'm okay with all of that. I'm okay with having very nuanced spiritual beliefs, right, and about how to use these ideas to better yourself. What I have an issue with is the fact that he's not just more open and frank about his literal theological beliefs, because then people start puppeting him or using him as like a a, a prop for their justification of backwards religious beliefs by oh look at this intellectual as a Christian. You know what I mean? Jordan Peterson's awfully smart and he's a Christian. You know what I mean? It's like an appeal to an authority when mm-hmm. really the authority isn't what they're talking about, but everything that he talks about is so engrossed in, in metaphor and parable that it's easy to interpret however you want to fucking interpret it. Well, that's the point. That, that's exactly the point, is that he doesn't give, he doesn't say you have to do this one thing. You have to. This is the, the right thing. Mm-hmm. He says... According to the archetypes that we have, we have uh, evolved with, 
according to this and according to all of that, it's somewhere around this area. You know, like that's kind of where I'm at, around this area. I can't pinpoint exactly because you know those people, that if they can pinpoint exactly, they're, they're obnoxious. Mm-hmm. They're just obnoxious because they're going to preach. That's all they're going to do. Like if you can pinpoint exactly where you're at and, and that's your stance, those people, they, they get on my fucking nerves a lot. And I'm totally okay with someone saying, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, but it's somewhere around this area. And the fact that he works that thought out as he's saying it, and does it in such an eloquent way, and still gets across what he thinks. He's like, yeah, yeah, jury's still out, right? You know, yeah. that's about as intellectually honest as you can get, because you're never one hundred percent certain on anything. That I mean, I guess you can say that. I don't know. I I feel like we can be certain about many things. Like we can be pretty fucking certain that like racism is wrong, and we can be pretty certain. Or okay. Well, from a universal so, view, from a universal view, mm-hmm. racism has been something totally different in the past. Mm-hmm. We have only recently had to come up with rules for that because we were all mostly separated. And then you have I, I, America got formed, and now you throw all of these like you get the Irish living next to the the, the Italians mm-hmm. who live right next to the black people who live right next to you know like yeah, and they don't know how to handle that shit. We've had to come up with, and now, you know, Europe's getting the same way a little bit. That's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. It really is unprecedented. Like, not even, the, not even the Roman Empire had that kind of diversity. Oh, they were pretty know? fucking diverse, actually, in the Roman Empire. I read a book about the Ten Caesars. There was, a, there was a fucking Caesar who was from Spain preceding all the Caesars that were from Italy. But was there were a, black Caesars. I was about to say, was, was, pretty, he, was he a Moor? Yeah, there was one from Egypt. Oh, shit. It's pretty fucking, yeah. yeah. People forget how big the Roman Empire was. Yeah, they yeah. were... They were the cultural milestone of America for their time. Hmm. Like, yeah, the, the diversity milestone. It wasn't until after the Roman Empire fell and split into the Byzantine Empire and all this shit that we got more segregated again mm-hmm. and each nation held to its own sort of ideals. I think America being almost like advertised as this land of opportunity and immigration encouraged it more than anything um, to be such a diverse melting pot. That and the slave trade. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, but, it, like, that is really what's responsible for this melting pot scenario that we have now. To that degree, I mean, this sometimes heinous clash of ideas that we find ourselves in is kind of a beautiful thing because they couldn't happen if we were just all the same. Like, we are all mm. very different with very different subjective um, experiences and shit like that that have formed us into different people. And then I think the tragedy is that we cheapen these unique experiences uh, by subscribing to tribalistic mentalities and then moving right into fucking groupthink instead of embracing our individuality and using our unique experiences to develop a nuanced opinion that then becomes more um, rigid over time as you have the intellectual honesty Mm -hmm. and introspection to refine it, admit when you're wrong about something, be open-minded to changing your ideas. So, and in, then, so insular, like an insular idea. Right, yeah. right. Like, so you have a deeply held belief because of your life experiences. Well, then right. when you see things that challenge that belief, you alter it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're like, right. okay. And not in a way to justify it, but right. now like you're accepting new information, yeah. right? Well, like, that's the way I do it. Yeah, let's say somebody was fucking jumped by a group of Asian kids. 
Right. And then he hates Asian kids mm-hmm. growing up. But, you know, he eventually meets an Asian woman that he's fucking crazy about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now he realizes, well, it's pretty fucking wrong to paint all Asians with the same brush. Are you asking for a friend here? Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's just, you know, this, yeah. this is where, like, the, the personal like, ex- The personal experience. Right. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a personal experience. I mean, I grew up in, like, bumfuck-ass Georgia for a good mm-hmm. amount of time. And, like, I wasn't overtly racist, but I was definitely prejudiced. Like, I was definitely had, like, a fear, like, a mm-hmm. natural fear of people that were different from me. Mm-hmm. And then as I moved into cities, I literally was so broke that I moved into the worst fucking neighborhoods. And uh, that'll, that'll get you over racism real quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're surrounded by, like, I'm the only white guy for, like, five blocks. Mm-hmm. You know? And it got to the point to where, you know, I, it wasn't that I was, like, fearful of it. It was just, I don't know what they think of me. You know, like yeah. I've never talked to like, how does a black person view white people? Right. You know, I, I, I just didn't know like how to start up yeah. the conversation. You had to see the other side and of the table. And I didn't have to start it up because this this woman down the block, we, everybody just called her mama. But, you know, big black woman, she was the matriarch, invited me over for a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And it was literally me and her gigantic extended family. And it was awesome. Really? Yeah. yeah so I guess to, that was like the moment you really felt accepted into the community. Yeah, I mean, yeah, accepted. I mean, that's not what I was searching for, but it, it gave me that kind of, like... Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. And that actually, I was, like, very honest with them at that point. I was like, listen, I've never really been around black people. You know what I mean? Like, surrounded by black people. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you'll be all right. Here, have a beer. You know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that experience right there is... That's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, that's why one of my heroes, Anthony Bourdain, he's like, travel, go, meet other people that you think are weird, you know, that they do weird things and eat weird shit and mm-hmm. cook weird stuff, you know, like it's, you have to, you have to have that shock. Right. You know, it pops the bubble. Yeah. I mean, it's only weird until you've done it and seen the culture and embraced it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then it stops being weird. Right. You know what I mean? It's only weird because you're in a bubble. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I like to view it as kind of like one of those, uh, like when you're blowing bubbles with the little hoop things when okay. you're a kid. Oh, and it's got that saying, it's got yeah. that sort of iridescent shine on the outside when the when the light hits it. It's like being in that. Everything has like this weird haze to it, right? Until it pops, and you're like, "Oh shit! What the fuck's going on? Oh fuck!" And then you adapt. There's real life outside of this. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit! Real life. You'll have to put a picture of one of these things oh. on the fucking video. <laughs> version of the podcast so people can see what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. probably, yeah. yeah. Bubbles. What are you talking about? Yeah. What kind of SpongeBob shit is this? I thought this podcast was about Trump. Yeah. Shit. I came here for the Trump in the world of Warcraft. What are you talking about? Right? Bubbles. Kind of. Gay shit is that. Oh, man. What's next on the chopping block? Chopping block. Let's see. Um, hmm. Oh, you were talking earlier about, uh, like, okay, yeah, you, I mean, you got a full-time job. Okay. You can actually get that recorded, I guess. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got a full-time job, and you're trying to run a cobble bar. I'm pretty impressive, what can I say? No, yeah. it's, it, yeah. All uh, hail the uninformed. Yeah, All the, hail the uninformed. The uninformed Roman. Uh, my, stay tuned for my upcoming podcast, the uh, Roman's Uninformed Opinion. Um, hey, that's, that's enough plugs on my podcast, all right? Jesus Christ. Let me plug my YouTube business. series as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, the, uh, 
Um, you could summarize my schedule just saying that like I'm tired all the time. Right. <laughs> if I'm awake, I'm probably tired. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's so my schedule is mostly like get up just before eight, fuck around, go to work at nine, get off at six, drive straight to the bar, work until midnight. Um, luckily, I only have to do that three nights a week, which is pretty cool. But um, it's still it's still a pretty rigorous schedule. And then on your nights off, you're probably going to go to the bar just to check up on it because now at this point in time, you have a um, a fairly large amount of time and effort invested into it. You want to make sure everything's going well, you know, and because you've learned from experience that the nights that you just go home and play video games or pass out immediately, you find out the next day, that was nights a bunch, a bunch of fucking retarded shit happened. And you're like out of the loop and you're like, what the fuck is going on here, guys? Why are we running off customers? Why the fuck is somebody talking about Hitler on live stream? Dude, you were was, there for that. Dude, that was so hilarious. Why don't you go ahead and give them that context? Oh man, um, there's there's a guy. Yep, who will remain that names. we know. Yeah, who shall remain nameless? Who has some uh, issues? I believe he, I believe he's a splithead. He's a he's a mm-hmm. schizophrenic. Um, and if you listen to the last episode, you'll know where splithead came from. But mm-hmm. we're not going to tell you on this one. Or part one of this episode. Yeah, right. part one of this episode. We'll say. But uh, I believe it was. It wasn't comedy. It was like a music. Yeah, I believe yeah. it was. Um, it was a Saturday Night Bula concert mm-hmm. because we didn't usually f- film the right. Um, so the phone was on the table, like leaning against something, mm-hmm. like live streaming, and the mic was still on after the performers went off. Mm-hmm. I believe it was my phone. Yeah, I was filming it was. the. Yeah, it was yeah, filming yeah. the. Um, it was live streaming the uh, musicians of the night. Um, luckily, it was a pretty slow night. First musician got done. Second musician gets up. The split head in question. Basically goes about deplatforming himself at my own bar by essentially talking about how he got fired. Like he even recognizes that he got fired somewhere for doing this exact thing. And now as he is being offered a stage to perform, he goes about doing it again. Yeah. Um, which is making an argument that can be boiled down to Hitler wasn't that bad. And, and, that, fa- and that fascism is natural because it's very similar to paganism. Yeah, which yeah. not then fascism by these definitions, bad. like everything, fucking paganism was like an all-encompassing practice to him. Right. Like everything can right. be fucking. I hump pagan. trees. I'm a pagan. I'm yeah, a pagan. and so fuck you, pagan. Anyways, ah. our wonderful host was kind enough to inform me um, about this conversation as I had stepped away from the phone. Also, don't live stream unintended. I guess is a pretty good is a pretty good message to take away from this. And so he comes in and is like. So uh, your live stream's going, and uh, homie's out there advocating for Hitler. And it's like, oh, fuck. Run out just to find out. Phone had luckily died. Battery had died on the phone. Thank God. <laughs> oh, man. I was just going to let it ride. Yeah, it like, <laughs> yeah thanks. It's kind of like how I watched your mic fall over. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, Camera, man. whatever that When you is. see that kind of chaos happen, you're like, oh, I got to let that ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's got to ride. Oh, God. I want to see the fucking end result of this. How bright can these fireworks get? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, that's the whole reason I became an EMT. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out for you? <laughs> oh, you know, a lot of uh, P- PTSD and a lot of uh, bad nightmares, a lot, of, a lot of great drinking sessions. Right. A lot. See, these are the great things money sessions. can't buy. Yeah, yeah. True life experiences, yeah. you know? Money can't buy PTSD. Yeah. yeah. I have, uh, get out there and live. Yeah. <laughs> 
Get out there and get your fucking mind torn apart. Yeah. You'll thank me for it later. Yeah. Man. But no, shit, why, how did we even get onto the live stream thing? Um, oh, fuck. We were talking. talking oh, we were talking about the grind. You were oh, grinding. Yeah. The grind. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's why you don't step away from the bar. You know what I mean? Because on the right. nights that you don't go to the fucking bar, shit like that happens. Right. Um, and it's like, well, shit, now I feel like I always got to be here. But it's also a great place to hang out. It's a good vibe. Sometimes you really feel like there's nowhere else you'd rather be. But then you remember, well, there's other shit that I was supposed to do with my life than just work all day endlessly. Like, there's this book I want to write. There's the Spanish I want to learn. There's a thousand more books I want to read. Yeah. But well, I you mean, just got laid. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. She I will mean, also remain nameless. Yeah, oh, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Well, I didn't fucking start a business and work 12 hours a day to not get laid occasionally. Holy shit, what is the point in all of that? Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the only yeah. reason I'm starting this podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, oh, you want to do my podcast? Zip. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Call up Louis C.K. Hey, can you give me some pointers? Hey. <laughs> okay. How do you get them to stick around like a jerk off? How do you get them to stick around? <laughs> No is it just the fame, or yeah. did, did you have to have a redhead around, like Roman, or what? It's a redhead thing, man. Yeah. When they pull out that fucking dick that's like white as a spotlight, is, yeah. it, is it mesmerizing? It's like a fluorescent light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two lights. Yeah, it's one of those fucking two lights. <laughs> just bright as shit. Right. Or like a uh, traffic wand or some shit. And you just wave it around for a bit, and then they go about their day. Yeah. It's just like stopping so, traffic. So when it's unsheathed, does it give off that light? Like, like ooh. Oh yeah. yeah, there's a small order that every time I zip my pants, there's doves that fly out. Um, yeah, it's it's a whole production, dude. Um, but uh, no, it's yeah. So it's it's a pretty fucking busy lifestyle. And then trying to incorporate anything, no matter how passionate I am about it, or no matter how interested I am in it, even if it's just something as simple as playing fucking video games, it becomes a goddamn scheduling nightmare. Like, well, what can I pencil in this hour of video gaming? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, World of Warcraft Classic came out, right? And I just wanted to play it really fucking bad, right? I just wanted to have a couple days where I could just sit around and play fucking video games all day, like I used to, or like I feel like some people are able to, like many people are able to, like people take fucking granted. And um, in order to do so, I had to fucking move around the night I was working at the bar. I had to like reschedule with one of the partners. I had to take two days off of fucking work and like turn off my cell phone. It was a pain in the ass, man. Um, just to get some downtime long enough to play a fucking video game. It was crazy. Um, I would go so far as to call that an addiction. but uh, Well, I mean, it would be an addiction had I ever played it that much prior to this. You know what I mean? This was right. just to fucking play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just get a couple days yeah. and then probably chill out after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, not even chill out. It's going back to the grind. You right. know what I mean? Just yeah, to get a yeah. break from the grind long enough to play it. I'm pretty tired for this episode because I played it for like two hours when I got home last night after closing at like mm. 12.30. Done that you know before. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yes, you can be up late and exhausted the next day because you're addicted to video games or you can just do it because you don't have any other time to play video games. Right. Except in the middle of the night and sacrifice sleep. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I guess I'm a, I'm a pretty fucking busy guy. There's a lot of shit that I want to do that I fear that I won't have the time to do. Hope the dream, the idea behind the grind at least is that I will do this long enough um, that I won't have to do it anymore. And I mean in the sense that like, 
will, there will be more bars, there will be employees, there will be enough revenue to justify this or that and working less and then you don't do the nine to five anymore and then you don't even do the bartending thing anymore and suddenly you have nothing but time for the fucking video games, right. the kung fu lessons or the book writing or the whatever, right? whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really amount of like, well, I could work a nine to five for the next 20 to 30 years and then enjoy a shitload of free time in the golden years and have a decent amount of free time in between. Or I could just have no free time right now for the next few years and then capitalize on it for the rest of my life. Amen. Like that, yeah. that is hopefully, because this is in no way the fucking long con is to just work fucking 12 hours a day from now until the day that I die. Right. Who the fuck wants to do that? Yeah. Um, some people, I, I guess. I mean, that's exactly where I'm at right now myself. Yeah. I, I'm doing this podcast, doing comedy, both mm -hmm. of comedy. I'm doing like one extra one or two extra ones a month, but you know, but yeah, you know, I'm not saying I'm better or anything, but you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I, you know, absolutely, yeah. Even though I'm terrible at it, but I put my time in. God damn it! See, this is and I this stay is, the whole five minutes. Yeah, see, comedy is a lot like old World of Warcraft. <laughs> you can put it just a shitload of time in a new World of Warcraft, and it's fine. You'll be good at it. But old World of Warcraft, you can put all the time in the world you want into it. It takes a certain amount of skill. Right, but the skill comes with time, just like comedy. Right, Indeed. you put yeah. in the time, you will eventually acquire the skill. Some more fast, quickly than others. You know, yeah. like that is just you know the human account of variability. But I view I, I view it the same as kung fu. Actually, it's almost the same thing, which I've been doing for what year and a half, almost two years now. I guess mm. somewhere around that area. Comedy fu. Um, yeah, comedy fu. But kung fu, if you don't figure out if you don't, if you're not able to anticipate the other person, you get punched in the face. And if you can anticipate the other person, you can move their fist away from you, and then hit into them. their own face. Yeah, yeah, into, <laughs> into their own face. Yeah. That's comedy. No. Yeah. But you you move around that uh, that fist, and you hit them somewhere else, vulnerable, not in the front. Mm -hmm. You know, and the same thing with comedy. You go up there, and if you don't know the crowd, and you don't know anything about working with the crowd read or reading yeah. people. Then you're just going to get punched in the face over and over and over again. Punch in the gut, punch in the face, punch in the gut. And that shit feels terrible. Mm -hmm. Terrible. I know that firsthand many times. But, and I think you would agree with this statement, you can come to comedy as you can come to Kung Fu with such a perspective that getting punched in the face or getting punched in the gut is not as terrible as you might have originally thought Correct. it was. Yeah. Because it's a learning experience and because... All of this is a lot less serious than you were taking it originally. You know, um, I never had a hard time bombing. I make it look easy. Uh, no, but what I mean by that is, you know, I have bombed just like everybody else has bombed. And it wasn't the fucking end of the world when I did so. Mm -hmm. I got up there knowing, well, eventually I'm going to fucking bomb. And it's not going to be a big deal. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? No one's going to throw rotten fucking fruit. Right. Uh, maybe I'll get heckled. But most likely people will just be really fucking quiet for five minutes. And they're not going to uh, remember you. No. That's what yeah. everybody keeps telling me in the comedy community. They're like, just do it. No one's going to remember you. The if same you, people aren't going to be here for two inherent shows. inherent with bombing, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I guess you can also bomb in spectacular fashion mm. to where you just make a scene and you are never forgotten, right? Like, that's true. Yeah. That's, a way, that's one way to do a legacy. Uh, yeah. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Bomb so hard, they'll never fucking forget you. But he didn't just bomb, dude. He was the, the apex troll. He was the original. Oh, yeah. He was the first troll. That dude, I mean, he was just 
so ahead of his time he was unappreciated. And mm -hmm. I know that's the thing that's said about a lot of artists, but he was genuinely unappreciated because platforms like YouTube and shit didn't exist yet. If 4chan had been around during any Kaufman's time, mm -hmm. he would have been the fucking god of 4chan. Are you kidding? Right. Like he faked his own fucking neck injury on mm -hmm. live TV that people genuinely believed. Oh my God, people have been rolling about that online. Right. You know what I mean? Like they would have been losing their shit. Yeah. He would have become a fucking cultural icon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not that he isn't, but he'd be a lot less obscure. Right. Um, he would be praised. And yet, you know, all people had back then were piece of shit little boxes in their living room that sometimes came in color. You know, and he just got up on stage and lied to people's fucking face and right, caused right. a scene and shit. And like, what are you gonna do, wiki it? No. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> there was just a lot less free flowing information, so mm. that's why people had a hard time even fucking believing the guy was dead, or he still is. You, you think know? that makes comedy more difficult? In the just altogether. Oh, it just changes the game. You know, yeah. like um, the as the platform changes, comedy changes. You know, black right. and white movies aren't funny anymore because like we have different standards. The scape of comedy has changed. Mm -hmm. People don't write books like Charles Dickens did anymore right. because it's not the primary source of entertainment anymore. Right. It's you know it's the the entire culture has changed. This isn't to say that Charles Dickens is bad or can't Actually, be respected as, for what it is. As Jordan Peterson said, uh, the the YouTube is basically the the next YouTube and podcasting mm -hmm. is the next Gutenberg revolution. Yeah, I think I was telling you about that the other right. day. Right, you were, and it's spot on. Mm -hmm. It's spot on, and that that's why that's why he was able to raise the level that he's at now. Most of all the media that I consume is from YouTube, for sure. Anything from mm -hmm. like gaming to politics to fucking anything, you know? It is definitely a revolution. Um, and you can tell that major media outlets are starting to sweat because they just can't stop attacking social media and internet culture and mm -hmm. shit like that. But I mean, it's not, I'm not really that fucking worried, you know? Like people that want to de-advertise, create adpocalypses on YouTube and shit like that. This is all major threats coming from a generation that's on its way out the door. Right. My generation and the younger generation and the ones that really appreciate YouTube are the ones that are going to be growing older soon. Oh, you know ahead, what I mean? This is going to become that the norm. Whole, like being part yeah. of that right now. Can't wait to find out what the next generation creates that I just totally despise. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm almost 40. I'm keeping up with it. Well, no, you know, yeah, that's what like... I'm saying too, though, is I think like as each generation comes, we are more open-minded to technology and change than the previous one. Right. You know, like my mother and father have an easier time, well not my father, but my, my mother at least has an easier time adapting to technology than say like her mother did. Right. You know, um, and I think I will have an even easier time. And God forbid I have heavy kids, they will have an easier time and so on and so on and so on until we are a hive mind, godly existence. You know, we are just next level, it transcend humanity or whatever. Mm. Neuralink. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Yeah, we can leave it off there. Neuralink. We'll leave, we'll leave it off on the... Link in the, the description. The utopian society. Yeah. Neuralink in link the description in the, below. Link bell me or whatever the fuck it is. Or, yeah. I don't know where the fuck it is. Buy my merch. All right. Well, that problem. was Roman Baker in the part two of episode one of Discoursers. There should be another one up. Um, I'm going to try and go for every other Monday. But if not, as always, go fuck yourself.